Welcome to InBed's annual Halloween Freak Fest. I'm your mistress of this evening's mayhem, your doctor of demented debauchery, Maleficent Storm. Welcome to my personal dungeon of the mind, where I must warn you, you cannot unhear what you are about to hear. That's right. If you thought the worst thing you'd hear all week was Jeffrey Tubin pulling his put on a Zoom call, or Rudy Giuliani sliding his hand down his pants with a perceived minor in the room, you would be wrong, my friend. Your mind is about to wrap around one of tonight's frightening facts and replay over and over until you think you'll go mad. Just don't say I didn't warn you. While you're visiting me here in my lair, you'll hear true stories of sick sex acts, freakish fetishes, and paranormal stories that will leave you looking over your shoulder for weeks. So to those of you who might be squeamish or weak, you may want to wait until I visit you next month. And I would also save this show for when the kitties are in bed themselves. Because let's face it, human beings are wretched, vile creatures. And what we can and will do to one another will always be worse than anything your imagination could ever create. Tonight I will be bringing you stories of the paranormal sent in by listeners. I'll also be telling you fictional tales from the crypt. Think you can tell which is fact and which is fake? Plus, a Halloween version of What the Sweet Fuck, twisted in true stories from the headlines. And we'll hold hands as we wander the cobwebbed hallways that lead us to some of the more bizarre and unusual paraphilias. And of course, I'll be answering your delicious questions at the end of tonight's festivities. So pull up your favorite submissive footstool, put up your feet, and join me now as we slide down the rabbit hole to hell together. The Freak Fest shall begin with a stroll through the nightmare that is What the Sweet Fuck. No! Real stories of human depravity ripped from the headlines. And we're going to start off tonight with a story about a gentleman who got his ass arrested for inappropriately touching children's feet and who feels he was set up in that arrest by none other than Former U.S. President Barack Obama. Because, you know, when in doubt, you can always blame Barack. The Rochester, New York man, watch your kids, Rochester residents, was spotted in a library by a mother who had observed the man fondling her child's foot and pressing it against his nose and mouth. The pedo ped lover exclaimed upon entering a not guilty plea, I'm being set up by the President Barack Obama and the city and federal government. My family was killed here. My uncle was killed here. 
This is a setup. They had women following me in Wegmans. Because <laughs> every good government spy knows that's where you do your best reconnaissance is Wegmans Pharmacy in the incontinence aisle, I might add. And come on, Jiminy, how fucked up was your family if they whacked them and left you hanging out in kids' footlocker huffing tiny feet? Oh, Lord. Police are currently looking at five other incidents that occurred in nearby cities of Pittsford and Brighton, where a man approached young girls between the ages of five and ten and asked to lick their feet. According to court documents, Pedo Pedboy had two prior convictions of attempted murder and assault. Hmm. Tell me again why this guy was out? I'm sure I know of several very talented women who would be happy to indulge your fetish, footfuck. But I'm afraid it wouldn't go the way you probably want it to. You see... It's hard to lick little feet with no lips and your balls stuffed where your tongue used to be. Right, ladies? And as if COVID wasn't enough reason to not take your kids to the local park right now, this will probably seal the deal. A man in Coventry, England has a playground fetish. Or more specifically, a slide fetish. The man was arrested after stripping naked and performing an indecent act on a slide at night. This was apparently the man's second run-in with police and his love of slides, as the man was previously convicted of a similar charge. He was forced to pay a multitude of fines and cannot be anywhere near a park with slides and must attend sex offender treatment, where he'll learn how to molest slides without getting caught. Makes you think twice about sliding down a slide with no panties on, doesn't it, ladies? Gives a whole new meaning to snail trail. (coughs) (sighs) Moving on. A man formerly from Camborne, Cornwall, was arrested and is now serving a jail term of five years for threatening a family who stopped him from mucking about in the muck. It seems this gentleman had a fetish for masturbating in cow dung and slurry. For those of you who don't know what slurry is, it's cow poo mixed with water. Because, you know, like you're in the stalls and stuff and it gets wet because you're hosing the things down and it all mixes together. Okay, It's not like someone sits and mixes it because I know some of you will think that. Apparently, this man, over a period of eight years, would repeatedly enter this family's farm and roll around naked in the cow slurry. Initially, he would only steal cow patties from the farm, but his behavior ended up escalating, as it always does, to the naked rolling in direct masturbation. It turns out the man has four previous convictions with regard to the farm, including arson, burglary, theft, harassment, and breaching a restraining order, all stemming from incidents including releasing the cows from their pens, then rolling in the slurry, repeatedly setting fire to tractors, sheds, and hay, including killing a calf in one of the fires. 
This last conviction was due to the man being agitated by the family removing the slurry and putting up posts to keep the man off the property. He was incensed and swore to kidnap the children of this family and burn them to death, stating, I will get great pleasure in watching them burn. The family is said to be terrorized by the man, you think, as the incidents have been happening on a regular basis since 2005. That's a long time. That's a lot of cow poo. And I mean, seriously. Really? Really? Oh, you people are so fucked in the head. Yeah, I said it. Moving on, let's go to Queensland, Australia, shall we? A 27-year-old Queensland, Australia electrician was arrested after police found a severed penis and testicles in his freezer. Turns out he got a charge... I had to, I'm sorry. (laughs) He got a charge out of performing consensual surgery on a 26-year-old man staying at a backpacker's hostel after the two men met online. The pseudo-surgeon used a cryopen, which is an instrument used in dermatology to remove warts and other skin lesions, to remove one testicle from the hostel dweller, apparently reading online how to do the surgery. Because that's how all surgeons do their work, you know, like check on YouTube first, then do the operation. Unfortunately, our man's son's testicle ended up with complications from the surgery and was rushed to hospital where he recovered. (laughs) I guess that wasn't, that wasn't in the YouTube video, I guess. (laughs) Complications? What complications could possibly go wrong? Hmm. The accused cutter apparently suffers from Kleinfelter syndrome, a genetic condition that occurs when a male child is born with an extra X chromosome, which can affect genital growth, leading to smaller than normal testicles. Could this be the psychological link to our slicing surgeon's obsession with balls? Hmm? I think we're onto something. And for those of you wondering about the man who volunteered to have his nuts sacked, he is known as a nullo, which is a body modification paraphilia of having one's genitals removed or nullified. It was during a subsequent search of the fake surgeon's house that police found the penis and testicles in the freezer. It's still not known who they belong to. Okay, you guys might want to look inside your pants right now. Just just check, just, just to be sure. A German woman went on trial in 2017 for murdering her boyfriend after enduring years of abuse and non-consensual and degrading sex acts. That never leads to anything good. But no common bullet would do for his demise. No. (laughs) Why would you use a bullet when other things are handy? The woman had already decided she was going to kill him one night, because obviously she's ready to snap, you think, when he demanded to be blindfolded with blacked-out swim goggles and then bound to the bed. Big mistake. The couple had been renovating their home and power tools were plentiful, so she grabbed an opportunistic circular saw and dug it into his chest. 
The man died of his chest wounds, obviously, before she then decapitated him with the same saw. She then covered the body with a sheet and didn't return to the room for six months. And can you, no, seriously, can you imagine this? <laughs> Just can't with this shit. And it wasn't until she invited a new lover around that the body was discovered. Hmm, you think? But instead of alerting authorities, the new boyfriend helped her to bury the old boyfriend in the garden, saying he helped hide the body because of his love for his new girlfriend. Ah, nothing says love like hiding the body together. What's the lesson here, boys? Never make a female do something she doesn't want to do. Because you can't keep your kinky guard up all the time. And when you slide those goggles on and demand to be bound, you just might get more than what you strapped in for. Because when you treat a woman like shit, like I said, sometimes she just snaps. If you have claustrophobia or a fear of being buried alive, you may want to skip this one. A man in India thought his brother had died after a prolonged period of immobility and not responding. After declaring his brother dead, he immediately called a local mobile freezer company to preserve his brother's body until arrangements could be made. But when the technician came the next day to pick up the body and the unit, he could see the man inside was breathing and shivering. The man was immediately removed from the container and sent to hospital, where he was said to be responding to treatment. Moral of the story, never trust your family with determining your death, especially your brother. He ain't frozen, he's my brother. And now bouncing back across the pond, a Virginia high school math teacher has been accused of removing the shoes of women around his neighborhood. Shoes, you know, that are left on porches or back doors. But this foot fucker wasn't your ordinary fetishist. You see, he wouldn't just steal the shoes and go home and molest them. No, no, no. He would very nicely return the shoes two to three days later sometimes with a note, but always with a gift inside of the shoe. What gift, you ask? Well, it's not pee, and it's not poo, and it's not spit. Nay, nay, this guy feels the need to jizz in the shoes and send them back so that the women can walk around in his genetic garbage. <coughs> One victim caught the suspect, and he said he loved the smell of her runners. And yet another woman received a note in her shoe telling the victim that he was married and his wife's shoes didn't smell. <gasps> oh, poor man. Local police were asking any other victims to come forward because they believe there are many more than what's been reported. Oh, I'm sure there are. This is why I don't leave my shoes outside. Because I'll tell you, 
if you nut in my Louboutins, you and I are going to go round and round, and you'll probably end up with me shoving the shoe so far up your ass, you'll smell it in reverse. And that's it for our Halloween version of What the Sweet Fuck. Stories taken from the headlines showing the depths of human depravity. I'll be right back. A beta is nothing but a useless male, able to give nothing to alphas but always begs for attention. A sissy is an evolved beta male who knows their goal is to please alpha and will do anything to continually reach that goal. A sissy's pleasure only comes from giving pleasure. I'm Amelia Devine, host of the Sissy Whisperer podcast, and I take pathetic beta bitches like you and evolve them into alpha-pleasing sissy princesses. I have everything from MP3s to private training spaces that are perfect for your sissy education. And you could talk to me live. 1-866-MY-SISSY. That's one 866 697-4779 Go to AmeliaDivine.com where you will find everything you need to become the perfect sissy princess. Mm. And now, let's slither our way deeper into the lair, shall we? And educate ourselves of some of the more twisted and prurient paraphilias, hmm? Let's begin with a look at a woman who emerged on Insta in August, who shares videos of herself smashing her face into bread. Her profile states she's just giving the people something they didn't ask for. At least she's honest. I don't know about you, but I really think I could do that. Especially if it was fresh out of the oven. Oh my god. I've often thought that someone should come up with a pillow spray that smells like fresh baked bread. Somebody get on that, will you? Now, for some of you, the next paraphilia will be something you may have heard of already, but it's not touched on. Not very much. And that would be... Vorerophilia. You may know it as someone being a vor. But what is a vor? Well, if you're a vor, you find the idea of being eaten or eating someone or something very erotic. You can think of them as Hannibal Lecter volunteers. In the vor community, people identify as prey, predator, or observer. Soft vor means you enjoy the idea of being swallowed whole by a person or animal or creature, and the prey is usually alive. Think of rats and snakes. Hardvor, on the other hand, takes it to the extreme by finding the idea of being ripped to shreds or chewed up erotic. Now, if you've been an avid listener of InBed, you know that a fetish is usually born pre-adolescent in the four to six-year-old range. The incident is rarely sexual in the moment, but will create a brain synapse connection that will create a fetish from the incident later in life. And it doesn't happen to everyone, but happens a lot more than you think. Knowing this, many vores can recall pop culture moments that have shaped that fetish for them. Now think about this, and it makes sense. 
Think of like Disney cartoons, cartoons and animated movies that depict characters or animals or creatures being swallowed in dramatic fashion. And video games are another way we see like, you know, animals and things being ripped apart and being eaten. Most fours indulge in fantasy, obviously, but there have been Hannibal Lecter type incidents where the fetishist has taken it to the murderous degree by consuming their victim. Another interesting kink is a gentleman who enjoys getting wedgies and will even pay women $100 to give him one. The man has gone through 110 to 140 pairs of underwear and says he sometimes comes when it's happening, but if not, he'll ejaculate while thinking about the session or sessions later while masturbating. The man recalls as a child he received a wedgie from a girl in his class. And then it happened again when he was a teenager. But clearly, the one he received in public school was the one that did the deed for him. He tries to get wedgied every few weeks or so in order not to do any physical damage to himself. Because he likes wedgies to the point where the underwear rips. Hell, you can even indulge this fetish during COVID. It's actually pretty cool. So ladies in the Virginia area, Virginia's kinky, Try to find the wedgie dude and make some extra cash. I just wear a mask and I think if you're going to do it, wear some gloves, ladies. But otherwise, you're good to go. Wedgie that boy. (laughs) A woman in the UK has been selling her breast milk. She found she would overproduce milk and her freezer became so full that she started to donate it to mothers who had difficulty breastfeeding then found out that bodybuilders had a demand for it. Apparently, there is unsubstantiated claims that breast milk helps with muscle growth because it's so nutrient-dense. And after all, it's meant to build a new human. Then, lo and behold, the fetishists came knocking on her door, and the money really started to flow. (laughs) Men have been purchasing her frozen tata juice so much that she now keeps herself lactating even though her kids no longer need mom's nutrition. Talk about dedication to your craft. Oof. <laughs> now another interesting paraphilia is apotemnophilia, which is an arousal of oneself being an amputee. This can also be directly attributed to BIID, which is Body Integrity Identity Disorder or Amputee Identity Disorder. Basically, this comes from a need to be disabled. Note I said need, not want. This is a quote from a gentleman who has BIID, which further reiterates what I mean when I tell you these issues arise in childhood. When I was a kid on long drives, I'd be sitting in the back seat of the car, looking at the scenery and imagining my legs were paralyzed. At the time, I didn't understand paralysis. I thought it meant that the legs couldn't move, that they were stuck in one position, like wooden sticks coming out of one's body. And so I sat in the car, making my legs rigid, though bent to the knee, for hours on end. He goes on. My earliest memory directly related to BIID goes back to when I was about three or four. It's a vivid memory, and when I asked my parents if I had imagined it or not, my parents say, 
They don't recall exactly. And you'll see why, because it's an innocuous thing you wouldn't even remember. But what I describe fits with what happened at that time in our lives. We were moving. In the process of packing, a friend of the family packed up a curtain rod, one of those L-shaped ones, and placed it along his leg next to his ankle and told me that's how you would do a splint for a sprain or broken ankle. Not much of a memory, really, but vivid as if it was yesterday. He goes on to describe buying leg braces for himself in his early 20s. I was a typical teenage boy full of hormones, and my original interest in braces was a confused one, where sexual interest played a big part. The sexual aspect of the interest quickly morphed when I started wearing braces. I suddenly felt comfortable, safe, and supported. It wasn't about sex anymore. I'll readily admit that part of the attraction to braces is still somewhat sexual, but that's not actually directly related to the BIID. It has more to do with bondage. So you can see how these kind of morph into things and change into things and how it how it grows and changes throughout time. And how, as I said, it's not necessarily sexual. Now, many folks with apotomnophilia go to drastic thoughts and will even do body mutilation to get what they need. Things like tourniquets to their limbs to cut off blood supply, causing the limb to die over time. Not something that's very easy. Some have even gone on to use saws and other instruments to remove hands, feet, and fingers. Some have used extreme temperature to try to kill an appendage. I would imagine this is not a fun paraphilia to have. I had a client years ago who was an offshoot of apotemnophilia, which is acrotomophilia, or the sexual attraction to amputees. Obviously, if you got them both together, they'd be like happy people, right? Good couple. He had a friend who would let him rub his dick on the stump of her legs, which really turned him on. Although I can imagine the destruction that would happen if these two people came together because it could get nasty. So you can see how many paraphilias can become and are unwanted. But let's look at some of the other fetishes you may not have heard of. Well, there's actorasty, which is an arousal to the sun's rays. Hmm. Remember Tan Mom a million years ago? I wonder if she had actorasty. The next one is climacophilia. See if you can guess this one. Climacophilia. Sometimes you can derive what they are from the word itself. Climacophilia. It's an arousal from falling down the stairs. Let's move on to savantophilia. Savantophilia, what do you think? That's actually an arousal to the cognitively impaired or developmentally delayed. So those with learning disabilities, things with cognitive impairment, that's a sexual arousal and or, or an attraction to those people. Now, there's also psychrophilia, which is an arousal to being cold or seeing others who are cold. Specifically shivering, watching someone shiver really turns them on. 
Then there's Melissophilia. It sounded almost like you'd have a nice lady named Melissa and you have a, you know, a kink where you really think she's arousing. It just sounds so nice, doesn't it? Melissophilia is an arousal to bees and wasps. Well, I guess those guys are going to be really happy about the murder bees coming to the States, huh? And I might add that Melissophilia is different and more specific than Formicophilia, which is an attraction to bugs and insects in general. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm not going to take you any further. But when I come back, I'll be telling you all about what nasty items you people shove in your bodies for the sake of an orgasm. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is not the night to be caught with car trouble. These woods are no place for someone to be walking alone at night. Many drifters have simply vanished in this area. Come in, come in. I see my hospitality is kicking in. <laughs> my potions never fail. Ooh, lovely. Deeper and deeper down to the dungeon where there is no escape and no one can hear you scream. You didn't think you'd get out with your mind intact, did you? Get payback. Your mind is mine. On the DrSueReview.com And give me your mind. If you dare. If you dare. Okay, we're going to start with the penis. Of course. Of course we're going to start with the penis. You boys may want to cross your legs, though, and put on a cup right now, because it's about to get nasty. And by no means should you take this list as a challenge to do something better or to try these objects. Remember, these were removed by medical staff because they became stuck. So it wasn't. Otherwise, we wouldn't know about it. So, things that have been shoved in a pee hole include a pipe cleaner, a straw, this one I'm having problems with, a remote control. Now, I, I want to see a picture of that one. A paper clip, fingernail clippings, toilet paper, a pen cap, six to seven BB pellets, a crack vial, which you probably would need to be doing all of this in the first place, a fork, how do you get a fork, an entire fork, a chain, pieces of a plastic hanger, and a domino. 
Again, I'm having trouble with the domino here. It's like... How do you get a domino in a dick? Never mind. Don't worry. Okay, let's move on to our vaginal friends, shall we? Oh, now vaginally it's another story because you have more room. Sorry, ladies, but here it comes. A child's toy baton. Kind of, you know, lengthen. I get it. A colored pencil. Why bother? Cotton balls. Makeshift tampon, maybe? Um, let's see. What else have we got here? All right. The cap of a deodorant spray. A glass paperweight. An artificial fingernail. Actually, <laughs> that when I saw that, actually, I, could, I thought... I'm sure that's happened with the Lee Press on nail things. I'm sure it has. A makeup brush. Clearly, we have a theme going here. A plastic banana. You ready for this? This one's really going to hurt. Parts from a vibrating egg that fell apart inside the vagina. Ow. And finally, a domino. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I swear to God. I'm thinking maybe those two got together and there was a theme that night. We were playing dominoes. I don't, you know, was this in some sort of kinky rest home? I don't, like, I'm just saying, what's with the dominoes, people? Oh, God. Okay. And finally, let's move on to the ass. Now, asses have a lot more stuff. It seems to be the holder du jour that everyone wants to put shit in instead of letting shit out. And most seem to be by men, probably because it's easier to cram stuff in your ass than in your pee hole, although the domino seems pretty hard to do. I don't know. Um, hmm. Now, I'm omitting the regular stuff. I'm not kidding you. I am omitting the stuff like drugs and sex toys. Not kidding. That's how extensive this is. Ready? A Christmas ornament ball. I hope it wasn't glass. I don't even see how you could do that if it was. A billiard ball. Okay, digging on that one. A shot glass. Sounds like a good party. An SD card. A toothbrush. A ballpoint pen. A green crayon. A marker. I kid you not. A plastic pencil case to hold all of your prior office supplies. An iPad stylus, an entire bottle of lube with the cap on. That's one of those moments where it's like, oh, fuck it. Just like, obviously, just kind of grab the bottle and go, Pfft. oh, Lord. The leg of a telescope. Oh, that's an interesting one. A plastic cigarette holder, a lighter, again with the themes here, a pill bottle, a travel sized mouthwash, travel sized shampoo. A full-sized shampoo bottle. It's nice to see you all staying clean and minty fresh. An aerosol can. A single golf ball. And on another occasion, two golf balls in a bag. A soda bottle. A beer bottle. A candle and a condom. Oh, how romantic. An enema of bleach and water, probably by someone who believed in Trump's idea of COVID treatments. 
a light bulb. Oh, it's right up there with the Christmas ornament. A broom handle. A mobile phone. A keychain with a flashlight. Probably because <laughs> they were trying to find the phone. So what do you think? Don't y'all feel a little better about your lives now? <laughs> Alrighty, Roni, let's get to some paranormal fake or fact, shall we? Fake or fact. Some of these stories are true, and many sent in by my listeners, and some are fake. Can you tell the difference? For the stories that are true, I have removed a couple of the lines from some of your emails to me just so that we can't tell who's telling the story. Alrighty, are you ready? Are you ready for true stories of the paranormal? Hmm? My first paranormal story is this one. I grew up in pretty rural Mississippi. You couldn't pass by a town or two without hearing about ghosts or haints, as they're still called. Merhope and Fairchild were two different antebellum homes in Meridian that were purported to be haunted. According to stories, one of them still has the ghost of a young girl that can be seen in the window. I never saw any of that, but I did know that any time I went over there to do volunteer work as part of my future nursing student's class, the beds that no one ever slept in because they were 200 years old would suddenly dent as if someone were sitting down. And the glass cases to one of the bric-a-brac would open up and bump me every single time I went there. There were, of course, footsteps and odd noises, but you drowned them out after long enough just to do your work. Fake or fact? Our next story says from infancy until early teens, I was able to see things others couldn't. Usually people. People who had passed on. It was a gift that had presented itself for decades on my mother's side of the family and always with females until me. My mom had become a Christian, so denied her gifts and claimed mine were of the devil. At first she thought my friends were imaginary until I told her the name, date of birth, and parents' names. They always proved true, but always too late to know them in life. When I wouldn't renounce and give up my friends, I was beaten. Now, my story. When I was around eight years old, my mom and I drove from California to visit my granny and granddaddy, grandparents on my mom's side in North Carolina. They lived in an old two-story home on a couple of hundred acres on farmland. This beautiful house didn't have an indoor toilet, so we had to take Johnny Potts to our rooms to relieve ourselves at night or brave the trip outside to the outhouse. The year before we went to visit this time, an addition was put on the house and a toilet and a tub and shower. They were modern now. When we arrived, Granny wasn't feeling well and was pretty much bedbound. I loved my Granny and would sit with her and read her stories and she would tell me stories. She also encouraged my gifts. She always spoke the truth, even if it got her in trouble. One Saturday night, we all went to bed. Granny on the ground floor at the bottom of the stairs, and the rest of us to bedrooms on the second floor. 
We still carried Johnny Pots out of habit and laziness, and at about 3 a.m. I woke up needing to take a wicked dump. I refused to poop in that pot anymore, so I decided to sneak down the stairs and stink up the joint. The steps consisted of, from the bottom, a flight of stairs, a landing, and another flight, then the second floor. At the bottom of the stairs, across from Granny's room, was a huge grandfather clock. I came down the first flight to the landing. I saw Granny and jumped as the clock struck 3 a.m. Granny, what are you doing out of bed? How did you get up those steps? She smiled. You know I love you, right? And you know that you're special, right? Yes, Granny, I love you too. Let me help you downstairs and back to bed. Granny kissed me on the forehead as she always did, and said, Sorry, baby, I have to go, and disappeared. I went downstairs and peeked in her room, and she was in bed with a very peaceful smile on her lips. I figured this future dump must have made me really loopy and went to take my dump and returned to bed. I woke up the next day around 8 a.m. and heard crying. I ran downstairs and asked what was happening. I was told Granny had died during the night. The local root worker, who was a friend of Granny's, had just arrived and asked for the time of death. My aunt shared that the coroner had said about 1.30 a.m. I said that was impossible because I talked to her on the landing at 3 a.m. My mother backhanded me so hard that I flew across the room. Don't lie. You didn't talk to her or see her. I wouldn't back down, so the root worker grabbed me and took me outside. She told me that she believed me and that she had been visited shortly after I saw Granny. Granny had told her to look after me and encourage me. After the funeral, my mother was avoiding me, but my two aunts hugged me and said they believed me. It was pretty awkward on the three-day ride home in the car with Mom, as you can imagine. I will always treasure the night when my Granny had to go. Our next story starts. I was a major at the Mississippi University for Women, and two of my studio classes often went to at least 7 to 9 p.m., depending if it was a painting or drawing. I was rooming with Chrissy at the time, one of my best friends currently, and she had always had stuff drawn to her. Like, she would be sitting there on her computer, and the closet door, a sliding one on a track, would randomly bang open and close, open and close, open and close, with no one touching it for like five minutes on end. We tried to use a homemade Ouija board to... (laughs) We tried to use a homemade Ouija board once to see what the hell was going on, but the planchet, we used a tape dispenser, would fly off the board and get lost in our room. We would also hear what sounded like marbles or doors shutting in the room above us. But because of the age of the building we were in, that room was condemned. So there was no one there. I would randomly have things touch me on my way to class, tug at my hair and clothing. You didn't cross the green at night because you might see someone hanging in the gazebo. And you didn't enter Magnolia Hall because the ghost of a Confederate soldier would stare you down with a bayonet pointed in your face. 
I've also had something push me down between my shoulder blades and yank my blanket off me. Scared the living hell out of me. Oh, shit. See, the part of the college I had lived in had been a triage field during the Civil War, with Callaway, my second dorm, being the hospital, and the bottom floor, the morgue. It wasn't uncommon to see random Halloween and social club props randomly being scattered out in the hallway, with the doors wide open and the club members having no idea how they got that way, any of them. We would also randomly have to ask for things back, because weird stuff would go amiss, only to show up in that one place we looked over and over and over in plain sight. I still have to do that now with a current soul that's attached itself to me and my wife. Oh my god, that's awful. You don't want a soul attached to you. You need to work on getting rid of your soul that's hitching a ride. Fake or fact? Rose Hill Cemetery. Went out there to do some cleanup work around the graves and got chased out by a ball of light. Ooh, orbs. Other friends I was with were ghost hunting and we heard something snarl and growl at them to chase them out. Never seen my best friend at that time so white. He wound up having claw marks on his arm. And we never went there again. Fake or fact? I grew up in the country, and I got into the habit as a kid to stargaze at night because being in the country, you could see every star. I would lie on my back in the yard on a blanket or lie on a lounge chair and just imagine what it would be like to be in outer space. On one of the nights I was stargazing, I think I was about 11 at the time, I saw a light that was moving in an odd direction, like it was stopping and starting and moving in ways even as a kid I knew wasn't right. After all, I'd been watching the sky for years and learned about constellations and satellites and could tell what a plane was and what, say, the International Space Station just cruising across the sky looked like. But the light I saw was moving in wild directions and speeds that made no sense whatsoever. I watched that light for over an hour. At one point during that time, two more lights appeared, the same size and shape. But it was like they were playing tag with one another. It felt like I was watching kids playing. I wasn't scared at all, just fascinated by it. Then they just winked out, like they were never there. The next day, I wondered if I'd fallen asleep in the chair and dreamed the whole thing. But I went outside that night anyway, to see if I could see them again. And I'll be fucked if they didn't return. It was around the same time at night, I think. I think it was like 10 p.m. I watched them play, just as they had the night before. So now I knew I hadn't dreamt it, because I made sure I was wide awake by pinching myself. This went on until they winked out again, and I went inside. Now my curiosity is up, and I got an idea. It was a childish one, really. I thought I'd take my flashlight out and try to signal the lights. Now how silly was I being? I mean, how could something like that, a dot in the sky, meaning it was pretty far away, be able to see a flashlight on Earth? But I was a kid and thought I could maybe signal them with my dorky flashlight. I went out and snuggled in my chair with my trusty flashlight by my side and waited. Nothing happened. I saw no lights. 
And just as I was about to call it a night and go back inside, they came back. Three lights. Again, as though they were playing tag across the heavens. I got so excited, I grabbed my flashlight and turned it on, and then used my hand to cover the light and send what I thought were signals to them. Not that I had a clue what I was saying with my blinking flashlight, I was just randomly covering the light and then uncovering it. After a couple of minutes of doing that, the lights stopped playing tag. They just seemed to sit, motionless. Then one by one, they started to blink. Something they had never done before. I couldn't believe my eyes. Could they be blinking at me because of the flashlight? So I tried a pattern. Three flashes in a row, then nothing, then three flashes. I did that about three times. And then I'll be fucked if the lights didn't start to blink the same pattern. They could see me and were responding to me. There was no doubt about it. In that moment, I was so excited. I was maybe talking to UFOs. It was crazy. Just to test my idea, I changed the pattern to four flashes, then nothing, then three flashes. And I'll be damned if the lights didn't do it back in the same pattern. That proved it. They could see me. Part of me got scared. Part of me was excited. I remember thinking, oh, it would be cool if they could create a triangle with their lights. I no more than thought that thought, and the lights created a triangle. Now that freaked me out. They can see me and read my thoughts? If I had been an adult, I probably would have run for the hills, but I was an inquisitive kid. No real preconceived notions about aliens or spaceships or paranormal stuff at all. When I think back now, that's probably why it all happened. I was a clean slate. Pure of mind, if you will. I didn't even notice that I had let the flashlight fall to my lap. I just lay there looking at the hovering triangle of lights and thought it would be cool if they spun as three lights in a circle. And then they did. Shortly after that, they winked out again. The following night I went out without the flashlight. I figured why take it when I can just think stuff to tell them. But that night they didn't come out to play and I was disappointed. I went out every night for the following three nights, but no lights. On the fourth night, they showed again and I felt so happy. Like my friends had come back to play with me. Only this time, they brought even more friends because there were six lights now. Everything I thought they did, circles, squares, race across the sky. I pictured them using a couple of stars for a finish line and then had them line up to race to that spot in the sky, and they did. From that time in my life to this day, I still see my E.T. friends. They visit as often as they can and still play with me, only as I got older, things changed. They started to come closer, almost like an animal that's hesitant at first, but eventually one of them came close enough that I could see it in its full spaceship glory. I was in my 20s when it came that close, living in the country still, only now with my own place. That ship came and hovered one night right above me. I could see all the blinking lights, and one time even saw a window, and I swear I saw a couple of heads in that window. 
Now, I'm not a lunatic, and I know this sounds crazy, but they would come to me and begin to fill my mind with wonderful images, things that were so positive and loving. Each encounter felt as though I was connecting further and further with them. These were not the wretched beings that you hear about who abduct and then perform horrible things to their victims. These were the most benevolent creatures I had ever encountered, filled with love and light and hope. Whenever I get overwhelmed, even now, I know that I can count on my sky buddies to cheer me up and show me that there is something more than just this earth and this existence. There is, as I said, hope. Fake or fact? Kentucky. Boy, howdy, I'd love to forget this place. We had a mean-ass entity that haunted my wife's ex's dad's house. It was a shadow thing about six feet tall that would give my kids constant nightmares and stare over the edge of our stairs at them. It was also where I woke up one morning to go to the bathroom and found a small child thing on our couch staring at me with dark eyes. He was pale, dressed in a white shirt with a bowl haircut and dark eyes. I blinked, and he was still there. I went to the bathroom to do my business, and he was gone. X thought I was full of shit until we finally split up and went our separate ways. He was at the house a year later doing yard work, and he saw him in the window. Scared the shit out of him. That place was old. I'd see a small girl walking up and down the road in older clothing from the 30s. She'd disappear right down to the next house in the middle of the road. Turns out she drowned in the nearby river. Fake or fact? I've seen people peek around doorways at me. There's a tall man about six feet tall that likes to linger in the doorways at our old duplex. He would just stand there, the barest edge of him shining while the rest of him was dark. Weird as well. Stuff goes missing all the time. We have to ask for it back. I've felt things tug at my blanket at night. I've felt things getting into bed with me, usually a small animal. And this was before I got my current cat. Amy's had things touch her. The biggest thing that's happened currently is the prevalence of small animals. We've seen a multitude of black cats, gray cats, and white cats out of the corners of our eyes when we've been moving around. Kubo and Rozzy will both start growling and attacking things I can't see, with Kubo chasing something invisible. The scariest moment is, while I was driving a car, I had someone push my chest back before a car accidentally hit me in the back. I literally felt a hand press against my sternum to keep me from flying into the steering wheel. It was terrifying, but at the same time, I'm eternally grateful. Fake. A few months before my dad died, my parents started building a ranch house on the lot that they owned right next door to the farmhouse I grew up in. I had grown up in that old farmhouse with my mom, dad, brother, sister, and grandfather. This farmhouse was actually my grandparents' home. When my grandfather had a stroke, I think in the mid-50s, my parents chose to continue to live in the farmhouse rather than build their own home. This way, my grandfather could stay at home and have folks watch over him rather than go to a nursing home. 
My aunt and uncle and three cousins actually lived in their own home right next door to the farmhouse, and they would also help out with his care. First, I have to preface the story with a premonition that I believe my dad had. This was told to me by my mom. By this time, it was summer of 1975, and he had had at least one heart attack, if not more. He and my mom were walking on the lot next to the big old house we lived in and surveyed the new ranch house that was in the process of being built. My dad said to my mom, I don't think I'll ever see this house built. My mom, shocked, said, what do you mean, Howard? And his reply was, oh, nothing. He knew. So when my dad had open-heart surgery, we were scheduled to move into the ranch house very soon. He died on the OR table as they were unable to restart his heart. Cracks me up because they told my mom that the surgery was successful. As they were able to bypass all the clogged arteries, they simply couldn't restart his heart because it was so damaged and scarred from all the heart attacks. (laughs) I guess I would have not used the word successful at all. So after the funeral, a bunch of family and neighbors helped us move into the new ranch house. It was just devastating. I had just lost my dad, and now I lost my familiar home. Almost lost my cat Kitty as well. She was an outdoor cat, and a day later I realized we didn't know where she was. We were all still grieving. My mom gave me some cooked chicken that we had, and I went outside calling her name. Poor thing was hiding in one of the open areas underneath the front porch. I enticed her out with the chicken and grabbed her by the neck when she was close enough. I said, you are never leaving the house again. And she didn't. She became an indoor cat and never seemed to want to go outside again. When the old farmhouse was completely emptied out, my aunt, who was a history buff and into genealogy, wanted to take some pictures of the interior. She snapped a roll or two, and the photos came back with these cloudy images on them. Can't really say they were in the form of a ghost or body, but definitely cloudy images. She chalked it up to a bad roll of film, but kept the photos. They were fascinating to look at. A few days later, family moved into the farmhouse. They had intentions of renovating the farmhouse and wanted before and after pictures. Judy, the family member who was planning to move in, took a bunch of photos as well before they moved in. Later on, somehow the topic of photos came up between my aunt and Judy. Judy mentioned that her photos had these cloudy images on them. My aunt was very intrigued by this and told Judy that her photos came out the same way. (laughs) Judy freaked. She didn't want to talk about it anymore, as if she was afraid of ghosts. Well, I suppose that one could say this coincidence was simply a batch of bad Kodak, but I would think there would have been some article about this in newspapers that customers were noticing bad photos. But in my humble opinion, considering the farmhouse being old and someone passing away right at that time, I would have to argue that those were ghosts or spirits that were captured on film. Maybe my dad's passing just brought about a lot of spirit activity. Fake or fact? We'd watch an eyehook latch unlock by itself in the bedroom. Watch things run in and out of the house that didn't show itself to other people. See things that just didn't look like they should be there. I would always get the sensation of eyes on me and would wake up from a dead sleep to jerk my head towards the door, only 
caught someone peeking around the edge of it once. Fake or fact? So, that was paranormal, fake or fact. Out of all those stories, out of all those snippets and stories, which ones were fake and which were fact? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you. Every single one of them was real, with the exception of the UFO. Ta-da! And before I wrap up this evil event, I have an update from Wendy from the last show. If you'll recall, she wanted to do something special for her sissy husband's birthday party, and she writes, Thank you so much for the good advice regarding my sissy husband Sandra's birthday party. You said on the show that you would like to hear how it went, so here it goes. The birthday went really well. I took your advice and changed Sandra in the bathtub, which made it all much easier to manage and contain the pee so we didn't get pee all over the place. (laughs) You're welcome. To begin with, Sandra had prepared all food, drinks, and decoration for her birthday party. I didn't lift a finger. When it was time for the guests, my three girlfriends, to arrive, I undressed Sandra and put her in the bathtub and chained her feet to the bathtub faucet. The only thing Sandra was wearing was her chastity cage so that I could make sure that she didn't play with her little thingy when she was alone in there. The evening went very well. Sandra did a good job at lapping up all the ladies' juice and her tongue sure was busy cleaning up. The girlfriends and I really enjoyed having Sandra cleaning us. I think we made her overdo it a bit. After a few hours, we all gave Sandra her birthday bath. As a reward for being a good pea girl, we let her tiny thingy out of the cage for a couple of minutes and let her come. Then we put her in her pretty pink panties and satin teddy nightgown with matching lipstick and nail polish. Then Sandra got to join her birthday party for an hour or so. Great fun. She blew out the candles on her birthday cake, sang songs, and got her gifts. Most of the gifts were sexy lingerie that Sandra tried on for us, but the funniest gift was from Megan. She got Sandra a doll, like the ones you give young girls. We all laughed at Sandra when she was hugging her new favorite doll that she named Molly for some reason. She was being a precious sweet girl in that moment, bless her. Then we put her to bed. We gave her the new doll Molly to hug while us girls went out for a girls' night on the town. Such a fun night we had. To top it off, I got one of the male strippers from the strip club we visited to give me his G-string underwear. So when Sandra got up the next morning, I gave them to Sandra for her to sniff. She blushed, but I could see that she enjoyed it. All in all, a success. We fed my sissy husband's needs, both to be humiliated and to be the center of attention and for intimate contact. Do you have any other ideas for what wives can do when they want to give their sissy husband a special day like a birthday? First of all, Wendy, thank you for writing in to update us on your fun event. It sounds like it was a blast. Fun was had by all. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I received an email from someone after the last show that corrected something I told you regarding Wendy's situation, and that is, I said that urine was sterile, and it's not. I apologize for that. It wasn't what I meant. Urine is not sterile. 
but you are less likely to get anything from it than you would say scat. And if you'll remember, I did say you want to ensure that everyone playing is healthy. But what more could you do with your sissy husband to make some special memories? Well, it's endless, Wendy. You could go shopping together, where she has to come out of the dressing room and show you the outfit or lingerie in the entire store. A day at the spa is another one where you can take her to get her waxed and scrubbed so she feels soft and sexy. Um, go to a -a Build-A-Bear and have her build her own teddy bear. Playdates with other sissies are fun, too. Or a day at the park where she's dressed up and playing in the playground. Just stay away from the slides. All you really have to do is think of anything you would do with a child or a girlfriend, and you're good to go. Thank you, Wendy, for writing in. Sissy Dennis wrote in and asked, After listening to the fascinating tale of the life of Daddy and Rose, I got to thinking, because here we have a strong, powerful woman choosing to have a sissy sub instead of just a male sub or a straight-out female sub. I wonder how it is from a strong female perspective, from your perspective, Miss Dr. Sue, what is the difference between having a male sub, a female sub, or a sissy sub? Like, which do you find more fun, more needy, more work, more relaxing, more loving, more exciting, more passionate? Well, I can only speak, obviously, from my own point of view, and everyone has their own tastes. Every female is going to have a different point of view on this, so let's point that out first of all. This is my opinion. Other girls feel a different way. Um... For me, I enjoy male subs the most. Female subs I have had in the past, they are good. They are more loyal than male subs, I will say. I like male subs because I'm a sadistic person. So I like hearing men scream. So that's more my thing and the reason why I tend to gravitate towards male subs. I like scaring them. I like freaking them out. It's just just my preference. Now, sissies, I find, are very, very needy. Sissies can be annoying. They can be rude. They can be very self-centered. So I've spoken with and have had several sissies be my sissies through the years, but they weren't that bad, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't put up with it. But they do tend to be a lot more work. I don't know what it is about you guys, but you just for some reason are a ton of work. And you need to be spanked down a lot. More so than even just regular male subs. So, let's see. More exciting, more passionate. Well, more loving. Okay, what I would say more loving would be a female sub. Much more loving, much more relaxed with a female sub because they are just so loyal and so wonderful and so sweet. Male subs I like, again, because they are, they tend to be sassier. And despite the fact that you guys think that being a yes man and saying, you know, yes ma'am, no ma'am, three bags full all the time is the way to go, for me it's not. I don't like a yes man because it means you have no brain. Along with that comes the issue of, as a dom, I want to break you. I want to fuck with you. So if you're saying yes all the time, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes ma'am, no, no, it, what fun is that? I want to take you down. And I can't do that if you're looking at me and smiling and wagging your tail. 
I want you to not want what I'm about to give you. So you see what I mean? Sometimes being constantly yes or no sir three bags full can be annoying because we want to see you break we want to break you down so i kind of like a little bit of lip in my males especially ones who i'm i shouldn't say online no don't get lippy you get lippy online with me you're done but in person if when i was doing sessions i would rather have a cheeky male just because it was more fun to take them down so men who were who thought they were alpha or men who you know just weren't snotty (laughs) snotty little brats it would be great to take them down so that I think was more fun Um, again and I would say more passion again is more with with female selves it's just it's weird but that's that's just my that's just me So in this case, yeah, Daddy and Rose, that was an interesting take because not a lot of women will have their subs, male or whatever, call them Daddy. So it's kind of a really cool role reversal. Um, Just so that you know, I had people come to me and say that they didn't believe the story. I can assure you that the story is 100% true. If you don't believe me, you can ask Dwayne yourself. And yeah, I just, I thought it was a very interesting dynamic in that story. Very, very interesting dynamic. It's all, it's, it's all preference, guys. It's all about what works for you. And what works for you isn't going to work for the person next to you. It just doesn't work that way. Those are my preferences. Someone else may be the exact opposite to me. They may want a female sub. They may want a sissy more. They may, you know, like it depends. So there you go. That is my take on it. I thought it was an amazing story. And thank you, Dwayne, for sharing it with us. Because it was really cool. And I know that there was some serious fapping going on everywhere okay i have a question for you are you a sissy baby girl are you then you'll want to crawl over to amazon and grab this book bedtime stories for sissy babies by christine kringle there's some kinky ass shit going on at the north pole let me tell you bedtime stories for sissy babies brings us stories of adult babies who want to be more than just a baby They want to be baby girls. A wonderful collection of stories written to bring out the baby girl in you. Every night before you go to sleep, read one of these stories and drift off to dream world, imagining that you are once again a baby girl. What a wonderful way for you sissy baby girls to fall asleep. Christine also has a second book coming out as well, so be sure to check back to our Amazon author page for more sissy baby stories. You can also find a link to Bedtime Stories for Sissy Babies on the In Bed with Dr. Sue website at inbedwithdrsue.com and clicking on Dr. Sue's Erotic Book Club, where you'll find a host of other salacious reads from kink and sex authors and educators. Recently on the review, Mistress Kiara has guest authored an article on the whiny demands of men expecting sex workers to work for free. In her article entitled, Would you work for free? (laughs) I think not. And I have an article out entitled How to Break Up with Your Dom, which is pretty self-explanatory, but if done right, will leave your foot in the door should you, at some point, want to come back to the game. They're both on the DrSueReview.com. Just click on Articles for all the latest articles on kink, fetish, and BDSM. Thank you all for joining me for this year's nasty fun in my lair. I hope I didn't make you cringe too hard, and maybe one day 
You'll let someone near your orifices again. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I hope I made you sick. Otherwise, what's the point? In the meantime, thank you for writing in and telling me your paranormal stories, and of course, for sending in your questions. I can't do the show without you guys, so thank you again for taking the time to participate. On the next show, which is November 17th, I've been requested by several people to do a show on coping with anxiety, stress, and gaining some motivation. So join me November 17th as I take you through some different ideas and exercises you can do to keep yourself sane in this very insane world we live in right now. Seems like a fitting show to do after this one, and especially after the election, COVID, and upcoming holidays. And if you have any questions you'd like to submit about your own personal issues dealing with anxiety and stress, please head to InBedWithDrSue.com, click on Contact, and then click on Kinky Questions, where you can send me your questions, comments, and confessions anonymously. If it's a question you want to discuss with me personally, and you don't want it shared on the show, you can click on General Show Contact under Contact, which will allow me to email you back. In the meantime... Be kind to one another. Play safely. Wear your mask. Please vote. Keep your heads down. And most of all, be happy. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.